Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. couple of big takeaways. Russell Westbrook, one of the greatest individual seasons in the history of the NBA. He is now done with his season, and uh, that season belongs to the basketball ages. We'll see how well it holds up. Uh, The Thunder are out. The Rockets are on to round two, where they will probably face... The San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs have gotten a lot more of a challenge from the Grizz than anybody would have anticipated, but whoever wins Game 5 in NBA playoff series wins about 88% of the overall series outcomes. And uh, the Grizz with a 13-point loss on the road that, frankly, was never really that close in the second half. And so the Spurs seem to take back control of that series and move on probably into the second round to play the Rockets. Meanwhile, the Jazz may well have ended the L.A. Clippers as we know it. Blake Griffin out for the series with an injury. But what's going on with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan? They are uh, falling apart, as they typically do once the playoffs arrive. The Jazz take a road win to go up 3-2 in that series, now have an opportunity in Salt Lake City to end that series and advance for the decapitation that will come from for either of these teams teams from the Golden State Warriors in round two of the NBA playoffs. Tonight, for those of you sitting around uh, thinking about, well, what's the situation? Not that many games. First time in a long time we only have two games going on, but they're both big. Hawks-Wizards game five tips at crazily six Eastern, really early tip. And then Bulls-Celtics is on at 8.30 Eastern, so potentially you can stay up and watch both those games and still get up with me and not have to give up all of your sleep. I think the Bulls take down, uh, sorry, the Celtics take down the Bulls to go up their third straight win, 3-2. 
Also think the Wizards get the home win over the Hawks, and so we'll be going back to Chicago and back to Atlanta with the better team in the series, as the seed line would suggest, up 3-2 in both of those contests. Kind of coming down the home stretch of the first round in the NBA playoffs where you can have a pretty good sense for everything that's left in these four games. I would be surprised, obviously, if the Grizz win Game 6 and Game 7, as I would be surprised if the Clippers win Game 6 and Game 7. Seems likely both the Jazz and the Spurs will advance, and then we'll see what happens, like I said, in the other two Game 5s between Hawks, Wizards, and Bulls, Celtics. We are on the eve of the NFL Draft. Let me give you a little bit of a roadmap for what we've got in today's show. At the bottom of this hour, on every Wednesday, we tend to go to our guy John Campbell at Odd Shark to get a setup uh, expect, expectation kind of going in towards the weekend for what is to come in the gambling market. So we'll talk about the NBA and the NHL as the NHL gets prepared to start the next round of its playoff series, I believe, tonight. And we'll also talk about the NFL draft. You can now dra- bet on a lot of different uh, prop bets for the NFL draft. Who's rising? Who's falling? How much of a prohibitive favorite is Miles Garrett to go number one overall to the Cleveland Browns? Those questions all kind of hanging out there. Let me go around the horn. By the way, Jeff Schwartz joins us every single Wednesday in the hour two. He will be with us. And we have got a uh, pretty cool guest that I'm kind of excited to talk with, David Duchovny from X-Files and, uh, what is it, Californication, I think is the name of the show that he did for Showtime for a long time as well. He will be on with us, former basketball player at Princeton. We'll find out what he thinks about the NBA playoffs and other issues. He's on in the final segment of Hour 2. Hour 3, I believe we will go ahead and knock out some of the anonymous mailbag. So that is what is to come tomorrow. Scheduled right now. Go ahead and put it on to your roster. We are scheduled to have Mitch Trubisky, who may be well, may well be the number one quarterback taken, not the number one overall necessary pick. That seems like it's going to be Miles Garrett. But the first quarterback taken in this year's draft appears to be Mitch Trubisky, and he will be on with us live tomorrow as we get ready for round one of the NFL draft, which, if you have been in a long-term hibernation, is on Thursday night, obviously, in primetime, Thursday night, round one. That's tomorrow of the NFL Draft. You can listen to our guys live from the Hard Rock Cafe, I believe it is, in downtown Philadelphia. Joel Klatt is also going to hop in with us. He is there. He'll be on Fox Sports Radio alongside Jay Glazer, breaking down every one of those picks. In fact, Jay Glazer was on such a roll last year that he got every single pick right before it was officially announced. So if you want to know... What is going to happen in the draft? All you got to do is tune into those guys on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, let's go around the horn. Uh, Jason Martin, any big surprises that came out of last night's NBA games? No, none at all. Um, Just one stat that really jumped out to me that, again, backs up why Barry Trammell asked the Barry Trammell question that led to the press conference explosion on Sunday. Westbrook was off the floor last night for six minutes. In that six-minute span, the Houston Rockets outscored the Oklahoma City Thunder 27 to 9. So it was an 18 point differential when he was off the floor. Of course they lose the game by 6. Westbrook got really tired in the end, but again he has 47 points on the way out. A ridiculous season. I think that we also have seen the end of this as you said this iteration of the Clippers. I don't think Blake Griffin plays another game in that uniform. I don't think he should play another game in that uniform because when he goes out you basically have two guys, and then when Reddick shows up, you've got J.J. Reddick. 
But then you've got a bunch of very, very old pieces. You've got the husk, the rotting husk of Paul Pierce. You've got whatever's left from Jamal Crawford, which isn't very much. You just don't have enough. And if they're trying to compete, they need to actually get quantity, maybe. They need to get quality, but they need to get quantity. They can't just get one guy. So they need to move Blake Griffin out of there because I think Utah's won that series. I had predicted that beforehand. They're the better team, quite frankly. They have more pieces. They have younger pieces. They have guys that really play well together and fit within that system. So I think Utah's a really good team. Do I think they're going to be able to get past Golden State? No. I think maybe they get a game at best. Golden State's going to steamroll. I think we've kind of seen that as we've moved along. I think the Rockets the only team that can get two out of them. That seems like if the Rockets make it there, I think we're looking at, let's say it's a 3-1 series in favor of the Warriors, then the Rockets make it 3-2, and then they get knocked out. Like, that's that's kind of what we're looking at, which is a little bit depressing because we're watching series and maybe they're dramatic, but what are we really watching? We're just watching to see who's being led to the slaughter right now. And I think that we'll, we'll see how the ratings play out as they continue to move along because there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of drama right now in the Western Conference especially. That, well, could be true. We'll see uh, exactly what happens. We're close to an all-chalk first round in the NBA. I, I think what's going to end up happening if you uh, if you break it down is that everybody who is the better seed is going to advance with the possible exception of Utah over the Clippers. And, again, Utah over the Clippers is not that significant of a upset. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we're talking about a four versus a five seed, and then you f- toss in Bre- Blake Griffin being out for the majority of the series, um, again, not that huge of a surprise. Chris Paul was asked if he would be back in L.A. for Game 7, and this was his response. Chris, uh, will the Clippers be back here Sunday playing a Game 7? What? <laughs> your feeling about, you know, your level of confidence that you'll be back here again? What you think? For... I'm on the team. What you want me to say? No, nah, it's over. I, just... I mean, that's what you want to hear? Yes. That's... Come on, man. You've been doing this long enough. Seriously, right? You can expand upon that. No, I don't know. Everybody in here laughing for a reason. Come on, man. You expect to win game six. Uh, to be fair, we gave, uh, gave Russell Westbrook some flack for the way he responded to that question after, uh, after I guess it was game four. This one, I mean, what do you expect the player to say? It's a dumb do you expect question. to be back for game seven? No, we expect to lose game six. I mean, it's a really dumb question. There's only one answer. I the easy kind of tip for people out there. You're young. You're driving into school this morning. We got a ton of uh, high school and college kids who listen to the show uh, all over the country. Don't ask a question that only has one answer. Doesn't make sense. Just doesn't make sense. You're not trying to develop a record as a lawyer in a deposition. That's when you ask a question you know the answer to. When you're a reporter, definitely don't ask a question you know the answer to. Everybody else knows the answer, too. It's boring. Let's talk about this. Uh, I'm going to talk about this for most of the second segment of the show here. Gary on Conley. Uh, if you haven't heard this story yesterday, I told you that it was going to be the number one story surrounding the NFL draft, and we played the report out of Cleveland that was, as of yet, not naming the first-round potential draft pick who was involved in a sexual assault investigation. Well, Yesterday around noon, TMZ came out with the report, got the police report, and I'm going to read from TMZ's report. Garyon Conley, projected first-round pick in the upcoming NFL draft, has been named in a police report by a woman who claims he raped her in a Cleveland hotel, but he adamantly denies the allegations. 
21-year-old was a superstar cornerback at Ohio State. Draft experts say he could be taken as high as 10 in the draft on Thursday. But according to a police report filed in Cleveland and obtained by TMZ Sports, a 23-year-old white female told police Conley violated her in a hotel suite bathroom at a Westin Hotel on April 9th. According to the report, this is crazy, these details, the accuser says she met Conley in a hotel elevator around 3 a.m. Man, shoot or shoot, right? And brought her back to his hotel room. She claims Conley asked her to have a foursome with another friend of his and a woman. The accuser says she declined the foursome offer, but instead offered to watch the other couple have sex in the hotel bathroom instead. Compromise is what makes all great relationships work. Very nice of this woman. Uh, And then things went bad. A short time later, according to this woman's story, Conley unbuttoned her pants and began to have sex with her. She claims she said no, and uh, that she also said no, stop, it hurts, but he kept going until he finished. She says Conley then kicked her out of the hotel room. The woman called 911, described her assailant as a black male who wouldn't take his sunglasses off and had an Ohio State tattoo on his left forearm. The woman says she went to a local hospital where a rape kit was administered. An officer tried to speak with the accuser at the hospital, but she refused, again, I'm reading from TMZ, to do an interview. Instead, she told the cops she wanted to go home and, quote, her dignity was stripped from her in a matter of minutes. She refused to speak to cops after that. As for Conley, two of his friends who were in the hotel room were interviewed by police and told cops Conley never hooked up with the woman and she was just mad that she got kicked out of the room. One of Conley's friends said the two had been lying on the bed together, but, quote, nothing happened. Conley was not in the room when police arrived. His friends said they did not know where he went. The attorney says that the accusations are ludicrous and ridiculous. The sex crimes unit is on the case, but the rape kit results are not yet in. And then wildly, this is unbelievable to me, Marshawn Lattimore, who is Conley's college teammate, and also an NFL draft prospect, posted, so the first thing you say to a girl on Twitter, so the first thing you say to a girl that you meet in the elevator is let's have a foursome. LOL, that doesn't even make sense. Marshawn Lattimore then added, it's crazy how these females are nowadays. They most definitely prey on you and try to ruin you. Conley, much to his lawyer's chagrin, then retweeted that Twitter post and commented, Lord knows, exclamation point. Marshawn Lattimore then added, we good over here, though, bro. We know the deal. Do we know the deal? We'll find out. I'm going to tell you why this is such a huge story and why also it is such a huge mess and why I would not draft Garyon Conley right now if I were an NFL GM. It makes absolutely no sense in the grand scheme of things. I'll tell you why and also break down this case when we return, when you put good work in, good comes out like the AutoZone Rewards Program. Spend $20 five times and earn 20 bucks toward the next job. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I am Clay Travis, where we're always in the zone. Gary on Conley, the next controversy. Lael Collins, we had that. We had the Laramie Tunsil controversy, and now we have the Gary on Conley controversy. How will it impact his draft stock tomorrow? We will discuss when we return here on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Let me tell you, the reason why I would not draft Gary on Conley 
the Ohio State cornerback who's been projected as high as 10 in many of these mock drafts, probably higher than 10, to be frank. He's, his, his overall status seemed to be surging a little bit. There's a lot of great defensive backs in this draft, and he was one of them. So let me break it down. The updated uh, details, obviously, he, he uh, says that he did not do it, that he did not do anything improper. And in particular, according to Jason Locke on Fora, Ohio State quarterback Garyon Conley has returned from the draft in Philly, fervently denies allegations against him, scheduled to speak with police on Monday. Well, that's not soon enough. Whoever's representing him, the attorney and as the agent, they should have had him talk with police before now. Here, let's kind of break down this situation. Conley's perspective is that he didn't even have sex with this woman. Well, she had a rape kit. So we will find out whether or not he had sex with her based on the results of that rape kit. I'm not an expert on how these rape kit uh, analyses are done, but it seems to me crazy that it has been since April 9th or 10th that this thing was done and we still don't have a result from it. Conley's story is pretty straightforward, as well as his friends. If it turns out that he had sex with this woman, then he's probably going to get charged with a crime. And I'll tell you why. Because he's not suddenly going to be able to say, oh, yeah, when I said I didn't have sex with her, what I meant was we did have sex, but it was consensual. Because you'll have already been caught in one lie, shifting your story now and saying, oh, yeah, we did it, but it was consensual. You're already caught in a lie. So why would I or why would a jury believe you when you are saying in the first place we didn't have sex at all And then she has a rape kit test done. It shows that you had sex with her. And then you come back and say, well, when I said I didn't have sex with her at all, I meant we did have sex, actually, but that there was it was consensual. He's painted himself into a corner if he didn't have sex. Now, there should be a result on this at some point. The challenge is this. Take yourself out of it. All these stories, they're shifting perspectives. So if I was Gary on Conley's parent, let's say, If I was his dad or his mom, I'd be furious about this entire situation. Because if you believe your son, then this woman is just making up a rape charge. And if she did that, then she should be charged with filing a false police report and should be prosecuted. I 100% believe that. But if she's telling the truth or there's uncertainty about what happened, then you can't draft him if you're an NFL GM, a president, or an owner. In this current climate in the NFL, if you in the first round draft a corner in Garyon Conley and the first news that he makes for you is that he's charged with sexual assault and now it's all out there publicly and everybody should know about it, you can't do it. It reminds me of Lel Collins, now playing on the Dallas Cowboy offensive line. He was connected to a murder investigation in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, former LSU football player, and he didn't get drafted. Because nobody wanted to draft him and then be involved in the possibility of a murder investigation. Turns out he did nothing wrong. It's much worse than what happened last year to Laramie Tunzel when suddenly pictures of Tunzel smoking pot in a a gas mask went public just a few minutes before the draft started. And Tunzel may well have dropped a few few spots in that draft. And then he went on and threw Ole Miss under the bus and said he had gotten paid while he was at Ole Miss in one of the most disastrous post-draft interviews in the history of the NFL and college football. But I don't think you can draft him. I don't think you can touch him in this situation. Uh, I also think the Cleveland police have done him no favors, and his attorney has done him no favors, because you need to get him sitting in front of the police making his statement. 
immediately. Why is he talking on Monday? Like, who's giving him this advice? If the police want to talk with you, you talk with them immediately. Here's another question. Who's in charge of these Cleveland police? They go to Conley's hotel room to ask him about these allegations that have been made by this woman. He's not there, so they talk to the other people in the hotel room. Why do you not wait for Conley? Why do you not insist that his roommates there in the hotel room, that they text Conley and say, hey, get back to this hotel room. The police want to talk to you. If you've already made the effort to go to his hotel room to talk to him immediately after this incident when all recollections are the freshest, why would you then not talk to him, leave, and say, okay, well, we tried? That seems like really bad police investigative work. You're already there. Why talk to people who were not directly involved and were not alleged to have slept with this woman? Everything about this story is strange. You pick up a girl in a hotel room elevator, hotel elevator at the Westin at 3 a.m. That seems like really bad decision-making by the girl. And then you ask her to be in a foursome, and this is her own police report. This isn't what somebody else said. You ask her to be in a foursome, shoot or shoot, pretty aggressive play there. Meet a girl in an elevator, next thing you know, you're asking her to be in a foursome. And she says, no, but I'll watch the other couple have sex. That's a little bit of a weird situation. And then you have two diametrically opposed stories where he claims he never slept with her at all. She claims that, she, that he slept with her. And moreover, she feels violated enough to immediately go to the hospital and get a rape test done. If he didn't sleep with her at all, this woman is psychotic. She's going to the hospital and getting a rape test done despite the fact that this guy never even touched her. We'll know when we get the rape test results back, but that's not a risk you can take if you were drafting in the first round right now. Maybe that's a risk you can take in the fifth round. Maybe it's a risk you can take in the sixth round. Maybe it's a risk you can take in the seventh round. This story is going to cost Garyon Conley millions and millions of dollars. And I think there are several people to blame here. I think you can blame the Cleveland police for not being able to get this investigation done before the draft. I think you can blame Conley's attorney and his agent who didn't insist that he immediately talk to police and are still only saying that he'll talk to police on Monday after the draft. Really bad decision-making by them. Also, it makes it seem like he has something to hide. Why do you need to wait till Monday? If you didn't sleep with this girl at all, why can't you just go into the police office and say, I did absolutely nothing wrong. I'll go on the record. I didn't sleep with her. That's an easy position to take, right? We 100% will know whether or not that's true based on the rape kit results. You would think. If you didn't do anything wrong, don't you want to talk with the police as soon as possible? You've got an attorney. He can sit beside you. Walk in, make your statement. I didn't sleep with this girl at all. I don't know what her motivation is, but I didn't do anything wrong. Still not going to help you probably that much in the draft. Once this story goes public, you're done for. But at least there would be for a GM, a coach, president of a, of a team, an owner who believes in you and does their own due diligence, they can say they decided to draft you. This guy might fall all the way to undrafted free agent now from first round draft pick. I told you yesterday it was going to be a huge story as soon as this guy's name came out. About noon yesterday, that that name came out. And I think it's going to be one of the top stories of the draft. 
how far is this guy falling? Was going to be a definite first-round pick? Now I don't even know if he gets drafted. We'll talk about that with uh, John Campbell when we come back. We'll also take some calls from you maybe in the final segment of our uh, number one and, and kind of circle back around to this story. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Every Wednesday at this time, we're joined by John Campbell to try to get us all lined up with the odds-making perspective on the NBA, the NHL, also the NFL draft coming up. And uh, I hate to brag, but another two-in-one night last night for me in the NBA running my NBA gambling record so far on the year, public picks that I give out to you every single day before tip, to 21-8. and One of the best runs I have ever been on. We went 2-1 and last night. Only loss was the Grizz. Thanks a lot, Grizz. On the road at the Spurs, unable to cover the 10. But, uh, boy, 21-8, and not too bad. John Campbell, he's also been on a run of his own. How's it feel to be uh, almost unbeatable when it comes to the NBA? Pretty good, pretty good. It's been a, a nice little run for me too. But but twenty one and eight, wow, that uh, that's some money making run there. Yeah, no doubt. Only two games tonight, so uh, I'll finally not have uh, that much on the table. You know, things are going well for you in the gambling perspective when you go two and one and your winning percentage drops. That's how good the opening <laughs> round of the uh, of the NCAA, I mean, the NBA has been so far for me. So let, let's start with the games that we got going on tonight, John. Uh, the uh, the Bulls are uh, trying to go back to the Madison Square. I mean, to, to Boston Garden, where they won two in a row to start this series. But boy, how things have changed! There's talk that Rondo may be trying to play. What's going to happen in Game Five? Do you have to take into account this Rondo angle at all? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think we're seeing just how huge Rondo is to this Bulls team. He he's really the glue for this team. And I wrote a piece uh, on the weekend. Uh, about that's exactly the kind of injury that you hope for as a better. If if you have a high basketball IQ, you know how important he is to the Bulls and what a huge impact he has. If he does play, it's hard to think he'll be as effective. So I still like the Celtics here minus seven and a half. I just don't think this this Bulls team can come together with El Rondo. Other game going on is a chance for the Raptors to close out the Bucks in what has been a pretty interesting series. The Raptors up 3-2 going on the road in Milwaukee. What do you think happens in this one? I, I think something snapped in the Raptors uh, last game. They, they, that might have been their best game of the whole season. You can almost count on a lull every game for the Raptors, and I, and I love to bet them in-game for that reason. I can usually get a nice, juicy middle. But they played a full 48 minutes last game, and uh, I was going to lean bucks, but uh, one game, which doesn't normally happen, this, is, this changed my mind. I, I like the Raptors here, plus one and a half. I think they're going to win this one outright. We're talking to John Campbell. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. You can check him out online at oddshark.com where they have all sorts of gambling and informational related needs if you're in the gambling game. Okay, so far in the NBA playoffs, it seems like we're going to have mostly a chalk first round with the possible exception of the Jazz beating the Clippers. In that respect, let's go ahead and think forward to round two. Is there anything that happened in round one that has substantially changed the outcome or projections for round two, or are we still saying, look, Warriors big favorite, Spurs big favorite, probably, probably still, if the Celtics get through, they would be favored over the Wizards, although that could be a little bit intriguing. We'll see what happens in that, that matchup. And certainly the Cavs would be favored 
over the Raptors or the Bucks. Is there anything out there that looks intriguing to you about second-round NBA action? Well, the Celtics were a team uh, I, I kind of had my eye on, but, but they're twenty to one now. Uh, now that they've they've tied up this series, Raptors are thirty five to one. That's about where they've been. I do think the Jazz aren't getting much respect at forty five to one. I think that one might be worth a shot. I don't think they're going to come through there, but uh, but those are ones that kind of caught my eye. The, the Warriors are minus two twenty five now, so they're, they're just growing. I, I, the, the odds are just going to get worse for them without them even playing. You're in Canada, which is the uh, the national land of hockey, and the second round of the NHL playoffs start tonight. Preds, Blues, and Oilers, Ducks, both going on. What's the play in either of these games? Well, I, I like uh, your national Predators tonight, plus 105. I think that's a little bit of disrespect the way they absolutely manhandled the, the Blackhawks, who a lot of people thought, including me, who thought were going to win uh, win the Cup. And one of the things that's interesting there is, is that the Predators are plus 105 dogs but they're favored minus 125 in that series. So that's interesting. I like them in game one. I like the Ducks a lot, minus 127 here. Uh, Something to keep in mind, too, with the Predators is that uh, going back to 2005, 2006, uh, during that lockout year, no team has has been involved in a sweep series after sweeping. So if you like to bet the number of games, I wouldn't suggest betting uh, the Preds to sweep again here. Tomorrow, we have what a lot of people are saying is basically the Stanley Cup final, the Penguins and the Caps. Are you buying into that as being the matchup of a team that will end up winning the Stanley Cup? Uh, it, it's certainly possible, but I, in the NHL, and this is the beauty of it, you can't rule out any team. And uh, the Senators, who are the biggest long shot right now, are only 11-1. to 1, and, and I like them to, to uh, beat uh, the Rangers here and their underdogs in Game 1. So I think we're going to see a lot of value here. You can't be surprised with anything that happens in, in, uh, in the NHL. It, it, the Penguins repeating in the NHL I think is the hardest thing to do. I think it's harder than any other sport. So I, I won't be shocked, but it's wide open. We uh, also tomorrow is the NFL draft, and there are a lot of props out there about the NFL draft. And we're talking to John Campbell. Follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. What do you like the most about the NFL draft? Let's start here. Let me start here with you with this. There's always a lot of drama about who's going to be the overall number one pick. If you buy into what the offshores are telling us, it's basically a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Miles Garrett, right? Yeah, he, he's minus 1,600, and, and usually that's a pretty good indicator not to waste your money on anything else. So it, that's a tough one to argue with. Uh, it, it's a lot of chalk, not the highest chalk we've seen before, and that actually has come down a little bit. But, it, yeah, it looks like that's the way it's going to go. The other uh, pick that is kind of interesting is where will Christian uh, McCaffrey go? And there's been a lot of movement on this in terms of where he's going to be. Initially, I think it was over under of eight and a half. Then I believe this has moved to 12 and a half. He seems to be kind of an interesting guy in terms of the amount of interest in him and also in the amount of movement that we've seen in, in his draft position. Yeah, I, and, and I think that one's going to go over, and uh, I think teams are just in a dilemma with him. There, there's so much talent there. He's such a smart football player, but I just don't think uh, teams know what they're going to do with him. He can do a lot of different things, and, and that's why I think it might go over couple of other uh, positions that I want to hit on here. It appears that Leonard Fournette is the favorite to be the first running back taken. You can bet on the over-under of four and a half uh, as to whether or not he is going to be picked there. Uh, draft position of Dalvin Cook all the way down at 26 and a half over-under. And maybe the biggest story so far, Joe Mixon 
And although we'll see whether the Gary on Conley story changes that, where is Joe Mixon going to be? Over under on Joe Mixon is at 46 and a half. So about midway through the second round is where people are saying that a team is going to be willing to take a risk on him. Yeah, and and I certainly wouldn't, and I think he's he's fifty to one as well to be the 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 first running back uh, selected, and that category is actually probably my my favorite pick of the draft here. I like Dalvin Cook plus six fifty. I think there's some great value there. He's he's the running back I would pick first. He's he's, uh, he, he's an amazing runner and uh, both with speed and power uh, to me. So plus six fifty, Dalvin Cook is is probably my favorite play in the whole draft. And I'm reading off of oddshark.com. You can check some of these out yourself. How many players from the SEC will be drafted in round one? Over, under 10.5, and, uh, and over 10.5 is minus 165. So uh, odds are at least 11 guys going to go. Now let's talk about the quarterbacks a little bit because that has gotten a, uh, a lot of attention. Uh, whether it will be Mitch Trubisky, who we will have on the show tomorrow, or Deshaun Watson as the first quarterback taken. Trubisky is the favorite to be the first quarterback taken. Patrick Mahomes also favored to go in the uh, in the first round. And I believe there's an over-under on number of quarterbacks to go in the first round, and that's set around two and a half, so with a little bit of juice on the three. What else jumps out at you about these NFL props? Well, Mahomes is another one. The QB category, uh, he's twelve to one, and and that's another one. If you're looking for uh, a little bit of an underdog to take, I, I just I just don't think anybody's a clear front runner here, and I don't think any of them uh, are blowing you away. So I think uh, Mahomes at twelve to one is another one I really like. And what just jumps out at me really is just how popular draft betting has gotten, even in the last few years it, it, it's amazing how how much money this kind of brings in and uh and just the interest this generates people will, will bet on anything uh also last question for you we're gonna, let's go back to the nfl the field itself adrian peterson signs with the saints was there any impact at all in the saints uh, odds to win the super bowl or, or maybe their division with the addition of adrian peterson yeah, this one's kind of bizarre. It, it depends on where you look, and and the Saints were around seventy-five to one to open at a few places, and uh, some places haven't moved the Saints at all, which I think is the right move, and uh, others have gone all the way down to thirty-three to one. So, wow. so uh, yeah, odds vary from thirty-three to one to seventy-five to one. That's pretty rare. You don't see you don't see variance like that too often. I just don't think he's going to make that much of a difference. I think the Saints have to fix their terrible, horrible defense before anything's going to change there. We'll talk to you next week. John Campbell, always enjoy it. Thanks a lot, Clay. Go find John Campbell at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, time for the Geico Play of the Day. Johnson penetrates, steps back. Joe does it again! He's incredible. Absolutely mind-blowing incredible. Iso Joe, the 15-year NBA vet, more than doubled his regular season average in points scored, become a clutch performer for the Jazz, who now lead the Clips three games to two. Game six, Friday night in Salt Lake City. That's your play of the day presented by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. couple little things to hit. Adam Schefter reporting that the Titans at the number five spot of the NFL draft, the Tennessee Titans, have 
multiple trade offers. That's offers plural for the number five overall pick and are considering moving down. Maybe that's a team trading up trying to get in front of the Rams so that, sorry, trying to get up in front of who's picking six overall, the Jets. Expectation is the Jets may be interested in a quarterback in this year's draft. Maybe not, but if you want to make the move up to five, that would suggest maybe you have the Jets projected to take a quarterback. You want to be able to get your choice of Trubisky, probably Trubisky, or uh, Deshaun Watson. Those are the two top guys, according to most draft boards, when it comes to the quarterback position. So we'll see whether the Titans make a move between now and and tomorrow night to trade back. Remember, the Titans last year traded quite a bit and ended up taking Jack Conklin, a right tackle, who did very well for them. But in the process, they gave up their second-round pick. So this could be an opportunity for the Titans, who also have a first-round pick at 18. Remember, this is the former Rams pick from the Titans that they got when they gave up their number one overall pick a while back that the Rams, condolences Rams fans, used so far to take Jared Goff at number one overall. Uh, can talking about Gary on Conley, Ryan Schultz says, your opinion on the, on the CPD rape investigation of Conley is wrong. You clearly have no clue how the real world operates. Stick to sports. Love when I get to stick to sports argument. Actually, I'm a lawyer who did criminal law. You can say that I have no clue how lots of things work. This is something that I 100 billion percent have a clue how things work on. Unless you consider passing the bar, practicing law, and having done criminal law to be no knowledge. Always funny when I get criticized on this. I can come on and say anything about sports. Nobody criticizes me about it. I put on my lawyer hat and say, I think the Cleveland Police Department has done a bad job getting this rape kit done. I think they did a bad job not stopping and waiting to talk to Conley in this situation. I think that I would not draft Conley and get criticized. Even though I'm right and most of my critics are wrong um okay uh any questions let's go around the horn i want to do this uh, as we finish up hour one again in hour two we're going to talk with jeff schwartz and david Duchovny, and then in hour three we should get in some anonymous mailbag uh details as well so a uh, couple of things would you guys draft gary on conley or not with this hanging over his head if you're the gm you're the president you're the uh head uh, you're the head of this team the owner to me this is a risk you can't take because if you spend a first-round pick or a second-round pick, a high pick on a guy who's a defensive back in a year when the defensive backs are great in this draft, and then your guy ends up getting charged with a crime or investigated in a serious way and ends up suspended, that's something you can't ever explain to your fan base, why you took a risk. The NFL draft, in many cases of the word, is about making smart decisions and limiting your downside. Go find somebody who fits your system, you know is going to be good, this guy, to me, is the ultimate downside risk now, and I wouldn't touch him. Jason Martin, would you draft him? No, but mainly because where you would have to draft him, that's where the risk is entailed because there will be a team that will take him higher than I would want to take him with this because you can't blow it with your first-round pick. You can't blow it with one of these early picks because it can set back your franchise such a far – it can set you back so far. And then you look at – how this has played out, the judgment that has kind of overtaken the people that he's associated himself with, including his attorney, it just he would have to be an otherworldly kind of prospect. Like if this is Miles Garrett, we might be having a different conversation, but it's not. Like I, I understand he's a top twenty player, but you can't get this wrong. If this goes the wrong way for him, it could wreck your franchise. You just can't do it. 
Yeah, J- Justin, Danny G, would either of you take him in the first round quickly? Not with a high pick, no. And the research shows that with these collegiate athletes who have problems swirling around them, they usually don't pan out in the NFL, the two exceptions being Warren Sapp and Randy Moss. So you'd have to hope that he could be one of the exceptions. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about this more at the top of hour two. To me, this is an indication of just how do you put yourself in a position where you could end up getting like this? I get, you know, all you have to do is stay out of trouble for from the time you do the combine in February, March, and April. Is it that hard to stay out of trouble? The fact that your name gets connected to something, even if you're innocent, is a troubling situation to me if I'm an NFL GM or an owner making a decision like this. I am Clay Travis. We're going to come back in hour two, joined by Jeff Schwartz and David Duchovny. Going to be a lot of fun in hour two. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote as well as my friends at AutoZone. For a limited time, get a great deal on select Mobile One synthetic oil and STP filters and receive a $5 AutoZone gift card by mail. See store for details. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Tomorrow's the NFL draft. Gary on Conley is the Ohio State defensive back who is involved in a sexual assault allegation that is sending him plummeting down draft boards. It's the number one story now as we get closer to the NFL draft. And I believe I'm correct in this. It's the third straight year that an individual prospect who's expected to be drafted highly has been involved in a controversial off-field incident that has impacted his overall draft status. Lael Collins The uh, star offensive lineman from LSU was involved in a murder investigation. He didn't do anything wrong. He was not in any way involved, but he had not talked to police, and he went undrafted, ended up signing with the Dallas Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. Now, I believe, starts on their offensive line. So that ended up working out okay for him, but it cost him millions of dollars in the process. Laramie Tunsil, expected to be the first overall offensive tackle taken, was not, in fact, the first overall offensive tackle taken plummeted down draft boards before uh, he was snapped up. And now we have Garyon Conley, a cornerback in a cornerback-heavy draft who was expected to go as high as the top 10, now has left Philadelphia where he was going to be for the opening of the NFL draft, I believe, sitting there in the green room, has traveled back somewhere, we don't know exactly, denies that he's done anything wrong, but his draft stock is plummeting. And it all is spiraling out of this incident that happened on the night of, I believe, April 9th or 10th in the city of Cleveland in the Westin Hotel there. He picked up a girl in a hotel elevator at 3 a.m., brought her back to his hotel room, according to her police report that has been quoted on TMZ, uh, requested that she involve in, be engaged in a uh, foursome with him and another couple who were in the room She declines, says she is fine to watch the other couple have sex, however. And then she says Conley had sex with her. She told him to stop. She immediately went to the hospital and had a rape kit done, declined to talk to police. Police investigators went to the hotel room where she said Conley was staying and and interviewed the two people there. My position on this is pretty straightforward. They should have waited and gotten Conley himself to be investigated and be talked to. Uh, They could have asked the people in the room to text him to come back to the room. They could have waited there for an amount of time to be able to talk to him and get his impressions when everything was fresh. Uh, They could have done a lot of things instead of not talk to Conley himself. As a result, 
Now the attorney who is representing Gary on Conley is saying that his client will talk on Monday, but that's after the NFL draft. That is not soon enough. If I were representing Gary on Conley right now, I would sit him down. I would say, let's have a come to Jesus moment. You have to do this sometimes with clients when you're a lawyer. You have to protect them from themselves. I would say, listen, you are saying you never had sex with this woman. I need you to be 100% straightforward with me. Is that true? Because this rape kit will prove whether or not you had sex with this woman. If you did not have sex with her, that's fine. You're innocent of any sexual assault because you didn't do anything improper. We've got witnesses to support that. If you did have sex with her, though, you are not going to be very easily able to make a it-was-consensual defense, which is typically what happens in cases such as these. He said, she said. You are not going to be able to make that defense because everyone is going to say, wait a minute, this guy said he never had sex with her. Then it comes out that he did actually have sex with her. And then think about whether you have the ability to then argue, oh, yeah, when I initially said I didn't have sex with her, I was lying. We had sex, but it was consensual. No jury, no police investigator, no one out there is going to believe that argument. So if I'm his attorney, I'm sitting down saying, this is your come to Jesus speech. You need to be as honest as you can possibly be with me because you're facing serious issues here. Now you've cost yourself millions of dollars. All right. I would argue that if I was an NFL draft pick projected, I would basically walk around in a bubble for that entire process between when I did the combine, really when I walked off the field for the final time as a player in college, and when my name was called at the draft. Because all you stand to lose, especially once you put your numbers up at the Combine, between the end of February and the very end of April here, those two months, the rest of February, March, and almost all of April, all you stand to lose is money by getting in trouble. Just stay out of trouble. The fact that you can't keep your name out of the newspaper, the fact that you can't keep your name out of a criminal investigation between now and then is an indictment of your decision-making. Ultimately, if I'm an owner of a team and I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to give you millions of dollars, I'm going to be given pause by this situation. Now, here's the problem. Let's pretend that Gary on Conley's accuser here is making up everything. First of all, she deserves to be charged with a crime. If you allege that something happened, which is proven by laboratory test that it did not happen, I believe you should be charged with a crime. 100%. You deserve the right to be respected, and have your uh, accusation taken seriously. But if this woman has this rape kit done, and it's proven that she had no sexual interaction with Michael Conley, based Mike Conley, not Mike Conley, sorry, Mike, Gary on Conley, and it's proven that she had nothing to do with Gary on Conley, then she should be charged with a crime. And now that we've got a trend going here, it's worth considering how vulnerable these potential draftees can be to accusations that are made up. This will be the third straight year that we have had a situation with a potential first-round draft pick where off-the-field-related news has taken over the NFL draft. Happened with Lyle Collins and the alleged murder. Happened with, last year, Laramie Tunsil and the gas mask photo. And now it's happening this year with Gary on Conley. All of these guys. Now, if I'm an agent representing these players, I'm sitting down and I'm talking about my, with my guys. Look at what happened the last three years. Do you want to be the guy it happens to in year four? It's a mess. But I wouldn't draft him. I don't think you can touch him in this scenario, this situation. I think that's how a GM loses his job. 
Yeah, who'd you draft in the first round? We took Gary on Conley. Oh, you mean the guy who was being investigated for sexual assault? And then what happened? Best case scenario, nothing. He's the exact same guy that you thought he was. Worst case scenario, he gets charged with sexual assault. Then he's going to get suspended by the NFL. He might go to jail, and you wasted your first-round pick on him knowing that this was a risk that could be out there. Many senses of the word, the NFL draft is about mitigating risk. Finding guys that you think have great upside, limited downside, especially early in the draft. Especially at the cornerback position when it is one of the best cornerback drafts, according to experts, that we have ever seen. Garyon Conley is just not worth the risk. Now, I might take him in the third round. I might take him in the fourth round, fifth, sixth, seventh round. I certainly would sign him as a free agent. But I'm not taking him in the first or second rounds. And then waiting to see whether or not this guy is going to be charged with sexual assault? No, no way. Uh Uh-uh. Not in this environment. Not at this time. I'm not facing the media hordes and explaining why I took a guy who ended up getting charged with sexual assault. You just can't do anything. Even if you sit across from this guy and he's teared up and he's screaming and he's telling you, I didn't do anything wrong at all, that's the situation we find ourselves in. And I think the the agent and the attorney here have done a poor job not getting him to sit down with the police between now and then. If you didn't do anything wrong at all, why are you not talking to police till after the draft? That's really bad advice. I'm sorry. We're not going to talk till Monday. What? That's the report from Jason Lacanfora. You're not going to talk to the police till Monday? That's almost a month after this incident happened. Why did you not talk to him between now and then? What are you trying to keep from getting out? What are you trying to hide from me? If I'm GM, if I'm an owner of a team, if I'm a president, and I'm making a decision on my draft board, Gary Young Conley's off of it at the top. Just ask that basic question. Why would you not talk to police before the draft? Try to eliminate all this uncertainty. If I were representing him today, I'd march him right in the Cleveland Police Department. I'd give a statement. Then I'd come out, and I would have a press conference announcing that we did absolutely nothing wrong. Now, problem with that is your client is putting himself in serious jeopardy if he actually did do something wrong. And as an attorney, you'd never know when your client's being honest. That's why I said you got to have a come-to-Jesus talk with him. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about more with Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman. He was drafted, had to wait around all day. What does he think about this Gary on Conley story? What does he think about the Wonderlick? He texted me and said he wants to talk about the Wonderlick and what that experience was like sitting down in that room taking that Wonderlick test. We'll talk about all that and more with, with our boy Jeff Schwartz. Also, final segment of the hour, we're going to talk to Hollywood superstar David Duchovny. All that's happening in hour two, still to come. Next three segments here on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. This segment every single week. Hour two, segment two, our boy Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, rolls into town and uh, joins us. What's up, Jeff? How are you? It's Mickey Mouse Clubhouse this morning, so it's a good morning. There you go. The uh, the happy dance. Uh, I, I know it well. Um, and uh, that's what happens when you have three boys. We've been through it a bunch of different times. Uh, Gary on Conley, I want to start here with you. You went through the NFL Combine. You sat around and waited to be drafted. Were you conscious of the fact, like, don't get in trouble, don't do anything dumb during those couple of months between the combine and the draft itself? Or 
were you just the kind of guy who was not necessarily going to be getting in trouble otherwise, so you didn't even think about it? Like, did your agent sit down and talk to you? Was there any kind of special, what I call, like, come, even though you're Jewish, come to Jesus moment where your agent's like, look, just don't screw this up. Just be smart. You got millions of dollars at stake. Uh, did you have any kind of talk like that? I don't remember a specific talk like that. Then again, I, I was not one of those guys that was probably going to get in trouble. And I was also not a first-round draft pick. Um, so I don't think I ever got a talk where, hey, you know, don't screw this up. You're going to lose your, your draft status. Um, but, you know, my agent has Lyle Collins. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, we just talked about with, that. Yeah, with his situation. Um, so, you know, and nothing happened to that. That was completely – did nothing wrong. Nothing happened. So, um, you know, right before the draft, it's not a good time for any of these allegations to come up. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just not – this is just the worst time if professionally to have anything like this happen. Obviously, if this is, you know, what happened, it's not good any time. Um, but and just, just surprising that they tried to hold out on, on the name for so long. I mean, you know, they don't, they don't want to apply the same um, standard to anyone else. Uh, so it's interesting to see their, their technique and their tactic there. Would you draft him? Because I, I came on and I said, look, I would not draft this guy until the Cleveland Police Department gives him a clean bill of health and says we're not going to be charging him. He didn't do anything wrong. Because the risk-reward here is if everything goes perfect, you end up in the exact same position you would be in if this story had never happened, which is you draft a guy who doesn't have any, any you know danger zone associated with him off the field. If you draft him and he gets charged with sexual assault and you draft him early in the draft, that's the kind of th- decision that gets a GM fired. Because you're basically just wasting a pick. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get drafted high at all. Um, he's already withdrawn himself from the draft. He's not going to Philly. Um, and, you know, I just think that now with, you know, the way news is handled um, and, you know, the way uh, you know, the backlash that comes with, um, with taking players with checkered pass, um, you know, I just don't see – it happened until the, the you know the Cleveland police say something. Even then, I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to go away. But look, we look at Joe Mixon, right? I mean, he's I saw yesterday on someone's he's the second best running back. Someone had him down, and that doesn't mean he's going the first round, um, but he's going to be going the second or third round. So, you know, I mean, just it, NFL teams always have to weigh um, kind of the, uh, the the PR hits that come from making decisions like this. There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But also, just how good the player is. I mean, we've talked about this all the time. If your talent outweighs your problems, they're gonna, you're going to play. You're going to find a spot. So um, I think he's going to slide way down the draft. And even if the Cleveland police uh, clear him, which I don't think will happen this, this quickly by Thursday, um, you know, maybe a fifth, sixth-round pick. If not, he'll just be like a YL. He'll try to force his way out of the draft and, and get a short-term deal and then try to resign as soon as possible. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Okay, let's go back through the draft process for you again. You said you wanted to talk about the Wonderlick. You're a smart guy. What was your Wonderlick experience like? A lot of the test scores have been going public. 50-question test, you have 12 minutes to complete it. You're a big guy sitting at a small desk, I would imagine, uh, in a, in a <laughs> uh, room full of a lot of big guys at small desks. What was that experience like, taking the Wonderlick? I think we missed the point sometimes of what the Wonderlick um, really test. And yes, of course, it tests intelligence, but it tests processing. If my math is right, you have about 15 seconds to answer a question. If you answer all 50 in yep. the 12 minute in 12 minute time period, well, that's a, almost the a, same amount of time you have the line of scrimmage to figure out what's going on before the ball snaps. So it's a test about processing. The questions are not very hard. If you gave kids more time, they would get much higher scores because they have time to figure it out. 
Um, and there's sample wonder looks online. You can see them. I know Darren Ravel did one yesterday. Um, you can find them and do them. You can see the question are not hard, but it's processing. And that's why it's important for the guys who process the most to have the higher scores, like quarterback. You're running back. Who cares, right? You don't really have to process very much. You're in your stance. You know where the running play is. You look at the linebackers at the snap, and you go. If you're a quarterback, an offensive lineman, um, maybe a safety who's having to look all over the place and figure things out, it's important to be able to process things really fast and you know process some correctly as well. And that's the importance of the wonder look. I think we think it's an overall intelligence test, and it probably is, um, but – it's the fact that you can process things in real time and that translates to the NFL because everything you do in college, and I wrote an article about this yesterday about offensive linemen, um, it, if you do things in college well that translate to the NFL, you get drafted higher, plain and simple, and you'll do better in the NFL. And this is one, one um, you know, thing that the NFL teams can look at to see if guys um, you know, can, can move and, and process things uh, fast in real time. I think that's probably one of the most underrated aspects of playing in the modern-day NFL. And, and, and I've been arguing that I care about it a great deal for quarterbacks, for instance, because it's not a coincidence that all seven quarterbacks who are currently Super Bowl winning, I don't believe, in the NFL have scored 25 or above, and most of those guys are over 30. When you are lining up to play in the NFL – are you even conscious of how quickly your brain is working? It was an interesting – I remember reading an article about Eli Manning, and Eli Manning scored really well in the Wonder League. He scored like a 39. And somebody said to him, take me through all the decisions that you're making at the offensive line when you go under center, right? And just walk me through the steps that you make. And he wasn't even able to take them step by step through all the decisions that he was making because his brain was processing so much of the information from what he was seeing from the defensive side of the ball. And I just thought the interview was fascinating from that respect because it was a lot more detailed than typically you would get. And and I, I think about that too now with what I do, right? Like I, I run a website, and if I sit down and try to explain to somebody why I'm going to write the article I'm going to write and all the other things that have gone on in my head when I make a decision to write something – it's hard for me to go back and follow all those steps as well. I bet it's also hard for you on the offensive line to go, okay, step one, check this box. Step two, mean move here. Because you're getting, as you get better and better at what you do, so rapid in terms of your ability to process information and move along that you're not even conscious of the checklist that your brain's going through. And that's why experience is so important. Uh, you know, you, like you mentioned your website, you've done it for six, seven years now. So when you go to write an article, you already know subconsciously this is going to work or this is why I want to write this. It's the same when you, you know, play quarterback. I played with Eli. I couldn't tell you how he figured some stuff out. I had no idea. There were times where he would, he would make an audible um, for protections, and I would think he's nuts. And he was exactly right. That's not, that's not my job. It's his. So, I mean, and it comes from film study, uh, knowing your plays inside and out. You know, for me – uh, we get the play call in. I come to the line of scrimmage. Um, I check, you know, the defensive line, the linebackers, the safeties, get into my stance, make my call. Uh, guys start moving. I start looking at guys and then set hut. And you like, you have to know um, as the defense moves or, or your technique might change, you have to know what to do when the ball snap. You can't wait a split second to figure it out. So that all comes from reps, film study, um, and just having confidence in your ability. If you're not confident, you're not going to play fast. It's all about playing fast. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how Eli does it. These, these guys just – watching film with Eli was so fun because he'd sit there, he would make a cut-up for us on Thursdays, and we'd go over the blitzes for the week. The team was running. And 
you know, his mind just works faster than ours. And that's why he's so good. And uh, I like playing with him. But for me, it was all about just trusting that I knew what I was seeing, first of all, and that I had seen on film. And I know my, you know, know what I'm doing. I think that, that that's probably fascinating to a lot of people, you know, describing you know, kind of the method to Eli's madness because he gets criticized a lot for throwing interceptions or being high risk, kind of high reward at times. But in your experience, this guy was kind of off the charts in terms of football knowledge. Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, I, in 2015, the year I played a lot uh, before I got hurt again, we had one – this is – I got hurt in the 11th or 12th game. We had one – play all year where we got fooled on a blitz and got sacked wow that was against new orleans i remember because i was like shocked they they actually fooled eli i mean we we played the bills when with, with rex ryan you know how he does you know everyone's walking around we didn't have one problem with it and part of it is is we you know as offensive linemen we studied with eli so we we had an idea of what was happening so when he makes the checks we know what's you know we know what's going on it doesn't work if the quarterback knows and we don't know um but yeah but there's a lot that goes into to every play i mean it, it's and that's why practice is important you know we cut practice time in the cba i think looking back on that that's probably wasn't a good idea i mean it's good for our bodies and trust me i, I like cutting back on practice but um those reps are so valuable and i think in in this game they're more valuable than other ones like you need to practice you can't you can't not practice um and the, you know that's one of the reasons why is everything we just talked about is that being able to process what's happening and, you know, for quarterbacks, think about this for quarterbacks, too. It's even worse. They, if they are under center and they do a play-action pass, they turn their back to the defense. And then they, they fake the handoff and look up. And the defense is totally different than what it was when they snapped the ball. You know, the guys are in different spots already. And so that's why it's so important to know what you're doing. Because if, if Eli knows, or any quarterback, hey, it's cover two here. And, you know, and he, and as he goes through the process of, his, of faking the handoff, he should know in his brain, okay, it's cover two. But if it's not, you know, where's my outlet at? Um, what, what am I doing here if they, if they rotate down and it's cover one? So um, there's just so much that goes in the quarterback position. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. On the day of the draft, you went in the seventh round. So that's the second day back then. I think they had one, two, three on Saturday, four, five, six, seven, if I'm not mistaken, was day two. How much of the yeah. draft did you watch waiting to see when you were going to be called? So I told myself I was not going to watch the draft. That's what everyone says. Don't watch the draft, don't watch the draft, don't watch the draft. Well, the first day of the draft was two rounds, like you said. We had eight offensive tackles drafted. And I figured I was anywhere between the fifth, the 10th and 15th best tackle. I just, I mean, that sounded about right. And that's what my agents told me, fourth to sixth round. You know, that's kind of where, where you're going to be at. Um, so, of course, like an idiot, I woke up Sunday morning, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, and just sat in front of the TV. Like, I know my name's coming soon. It's got to come soon. <laughs> and um, it did not. And I got, I didn't even get phone calls or anything until the fifth round, maybe. And the Panthers had actually called me, ended up drafting me. And, you know, some teams, I think Atlanta called and was like, we're interested in you. And then the sixth round rolls around and, um, you know, your agent kind of starts dealing with making arrangements for, for uh, undrafted free agent, you know, status. I was, Outside playing basketball, I took a walk. Um, I just tried to do everything I could to keep myself busy. And then the Panthers finally called in the seventh round. And this is the conversation went exactly like this. They called me um, and said, how do you feel about getting drafted? And at this point, I had talked to a couple teams now who said they were going to draft me and didn't do it. So I said exact words. Uh, I said, at this point, I don't even care. 
<laughs> and they said, uh, well, we drafted you. And of course, I was excited. But I, I just didn't. At that point, I was the day was so long and um, it, it was upsetting. I'm looking at the list right now. Tackles drafted ahead of me. Yeah, you can guess they're not in the NFL anymore. How, what was your signing bonus? 41-6. Oh, that's not awful. 41-6. We'll talk to you on the flip side here about what you did with your 41-6. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz. Let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. 41-6 was Jeff Schwartz's signing bonus when he was drafted in the seventh round. What did you buy? Did you buy anything at all with the 41-6? So, I remember when I got my check, it was a little over $24,000. And I was By the way, that is going to surprise a ton of people out there because they only think all, all the first-round picks and maybe the second-round picks, the money is big, right? And people pay a lot of attention to yeah. it. As you move down the draft, and, and like you said, I mean, the difference between the number one and the 253 or whoever it is is substantial. So you got $24,000 after taxes and and what did you do with that? It's the most money probably you'd ever seen in a check before, I imagine. Oh, hands down. And um, I, I, mean, I put it in the bank, of course. And then I, I don't know. I didn't. I got a truck, but I didn't put a down payment on it. You know, I got a, a you know an apartment when I made the team. Um, I don't. I don't think I spent very. I didn't. I didn't have a big um, like splash splash purchase. I'm not that type of person uh, to do that. Um, I just didn't spend it. I don't think now. You know, now I spend money like crazy because I don't know why I can't stop. Well, because you got a wife and kids. That's partly why. A hundred percent's true. Because I, I, I look at our our bill like it reminds me of an old joke. Like I, I heard it before I was married, and I just like I was like, it's not very funny. But I remember I think it was like Rodney Dangerfield used to say like my credit card got stolen, but I let him keep it because she was spending less. Or whoever stole it was spending less money. Like uh, <laughs> I, I look at the bill and I go to my wife and I'm like, what, what is this? Like, I don't even understand how we're spending this money. Right. There's probably a ton of people out there, whether you're the husband or the wife that ends up spending the money. And I'm like, what, is, what is all this stuff? Like, I don't even know. Like I, I remember I made the argument for a long time. One day I came home and there was like a big Ottoman in the house. And I looked at that Ottoman and I was like, I would have rather not work today than have that Ottoman, right? Effectively, I'm working to buy an Ottoman. Oh, like, if you told me you can have a sure. day off or you can have this Ottoman in your house. And then we got window treatments, and I was like, I didn't even know my windows were sick. Have you ever you, – you just built a house. I had. I feel I, like that's the I number one you, thing that you, you have no idea. Uh, I – yes. It was, window uh, treatment kinda, is the worst expense of my married life. I, so, I think that's the most absurd thing. If you're a single guy out there and you're about to get married – what it costs to treat your windows is going to blow your effing so mind. So when so my son my son's room has like blackout, um, like nice they're nice pull down curtains, you know, kind of yeah. bamboo type of things. And um, so my daughter's room doesn't have them. And when the time change uh, came, you know, the sun is at night, and I, I wanted to put blackout curtains. And my wife was like, I was like, yeah, what are those? Like two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks? She goes. I think I think she said they were a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> and you just lost your mind. Because they're custom. They're custom because we have like extra window. We have four windows in the room instead of two. I mean, who the, I, I have. I kind of gave her like an, not an open budget for the house, but like our furniture 
a lot of it a lot of it though has to be custom made like the couch and bed because of my size like we can't we can't buy stuff that's gonna break us, us but uh, the, fur, the the stuff we spend in the house it's very nice I love my house I love everything but it's yeah window treatments and how much knobs cost and just mirrors it's it's crazy it is a, a total absurdity. Your kids are screaming in the background there. People always enjoy it as they start their day there in Charlotte. Okay, so of these guys, you've watched a lot of college football. You've watched a lot of uh, a lot of different games. Who would you look at in this draft and say, this is a guy who's can't miss? Are there a couple of guys that you look at and say, I absolutely love everything about them? Well, Solomon Thomas is one of them uh, from Stanford, D-tackle. I think if he goes to the right scheme – uh, he could be dominating. Um, you know, I think now with with so much nickel, he'll line up a three technique. But if you know, I think he's a base three four defensive end. I like McCaffrey. Um, I think he's he has to be used right. Like I'm worried if he goes to. I don't know if he's a fit with the Panthers. Everyone has mocked him. I think now that the Panthers they moved off Fournette and Wall. I I think he's an excellent talent and can do so much for a team. I'm not sure that. You have to use him properly. You have to use him in multiple formations. And yes, at Stanford, he did run between the tackles, and I think that he can do that. But he's so versatile that he provides extra value being able to to catch out the backfield and being able to return kicks. Outstanding stuff as always, Jeff. Enjoy those kids. Enjoy those window treatments. And more importantly, enjoy the knobs. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. That is Jeff Schwartz. I am Clay Travis. Up next, it's David Duchovny from Californication and the X-Files. We'll have him here live on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Joined now by a man who's done a little bit of everything, and he's got a new book out. Book, Bucky Effing Dent is the name of the book. It's a novel. It's by David Duchovny from X-Files, Californication. He's done also music. He's done a little bit of everything. What's more nerve-wracking, reading a- acting reviews, reading book reviews, or reading music reviews? What's made you more nervous? Well, I don't really – I try to stay away from all reviews. All reviews make me nervous because uh, the good stuff – you throw away and the bad stuff you remember forever unfortunately that's just the way the human mind works or just the way my mind works but uh, i originally i mean i think anything i would be starting uh new i would be afraid of the reviews of music now uh the books for some reason with writing i've always felt the most comfortable i i started as a writer i feel like uh that was always what i was going to be so I'm, I, I guess I'm a little more immune to uh, to criticism of my books than the other two things. The book is out. You can check it out on Amazon. Your Twitter feed is at David Duchovny. It has a link to the book as well. When did you start writing it? Uh, well, I wrote it as a screenplay probably about uh, in, in about 2003, right before the Red Sox uh, won the pennant and screwed my uh, story completely <laughs> as, as a movie, uh, or so I thought. And uh, in the end, when I turned that screenplay into a novel, a good 10 years later, uh, more than 10 years later now, um, it, the, the fact that the Sox won in 2004, about uh, 20, 25, 26 years after the action of the book takes place, functions as a, as a nice epilogue in the novel. And, and ironically, there's now interest in, in making this book into a movie. So it's, it's, it's had many transformations. 
So when you wrote this book, you said, obviously, you, the Red Sox had not won their title yet. Were you rooting against yeah. the Red Sox because you had that screenplay done and you figure like it's in your economic interest? Or were you as a baseball fan like, ah, I'd kind of like to see it happen? Oh, I'm, I'm way more selfish than that. I was rooting <laughs> just for my interests completely. And they, yeah. swept, they swept the Cardinals, didn't they? It, it, was, it, it wasn't even a series, unfortunately. And I just saw the writing on the wall. And I was disgusted with the entire with uh, Theo Epstein and, and all those guys. But you know, in the end, in the end, it's it's it actually, as I said, I think it it, it creates a nice grace note at the end of the story. Now we're talking to David Duchovny. Did you grow up a Yankees fan? I know you grew up in New York City. Were you a Yankees? And so, uh, how often would you go to games? What kind of memories do you have about baseball growing up in in New York City? I didn't go to many games. Uh, I used to clip uh, the, the Dairy Lee milk uh, coupons from the, the, the carton, and that, that was for, for Shea Stadium. That was for Met games. And, and I, did, I hated the Mets, but, but I would go to the games because I could clip the, the milk coupons. I, I, I don't know that I went to Yankee Stadium, maybe once or twice, and um, would watch games on Saturday, basically. They, 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 you know, sports weren't really televised when I was growing up in the – late 60s and, and early 70s. So I didn't see a lot. I listened a lot on radio. I listened a lot to Phil Rizzuto describe the games. Um, I grew, really grew up listening to the – I sound like I'm 150 goddamn years old. But I did listen <laughs> I did listen to the games on radio a lot, and I played a lot of baseball. I played through high school into college. I played stickball in the streets. We were always trying to hit a hit some kind of a ball with some kind of a bat. I, I don't know if you know what stick ball is, but it's played with a broom handle and a, and a rubber ball and is a, is a fantastic game. You're a good athlete. You went to Princeton and I believe were on the JV team as a basketball player. What do you remember about, uh, about your athletic career at Princeton? Did it impress people at Princeton to be good at sports or was it kind of a negative? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that, that there's one great, there's a big roster of of, of uh, <laughs> basketball players. So so to say I'm on the JV, we we're all on the varsity. Some of us played on the JV when there were JV games. So there's a, there's really no JV basketball in 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 college. It's it's. it's I not, read that on Wikipedia, and I thought it seemed strange, but I thought it might have been an Ivy League quirk. <laughs> what? So well, how would you break down really your game? To, how would you break? Who, who, who really did you assemble? To rewrite my history. <laughs> <laughs> who would you assess your game? Uh, who, you, game? who did you play like? I'm I'm that unicorn, that coveted thing, which is a a uh, six foot uh, shooting guard without a great handle. You know, everybody wants that. <laughs> Do you watch a lot of basketball now? Do you watch a lot of baseball now? What what kind of is in your sporting yeah. diet as it is? I, I would say basketball and baseball. You know, um, certainly playoff uh, basketball and baseball. The seasons are long. I, I'll, I'll watch games. You know, as I find them on television, but when the playoffs come, I'm 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 pretty uh, I'm there, and uh, I'm still a Yankee fan. I, I've become kind of a Met fan uh, in my old age. I like the the New York teams, um, and uh, I'm watching now. I'm watching the basketball playoffs now. We're talking to David Duchovny. He's uh, written a novel that's out now, book Bucky Effing Dent, uh, about the uh, the illustrious Bucky Dent who had the uh, improbable home run in the Yankees and the Red Sox series. Let's uh, let's circle around here. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You're a sports fan, obviously. You're paying attention to sports. 
you've had a lot of success in the acting game. Is there someone you got to meet as an athlete that you were blown away, knew your work, had seen the X-Files, had seen Californication, had seen something that you had read shoe diaries maybe, which is where I initially, uh, as, a, as, a, as a horny teenager, got to familiar with your work. Is, is there somebody that yeah. you have met and you've been blown away that they knew what you did for a living? I'm always blown away when, when anybody, you know, that I that I've watched – or respected uh, has seen anything that I've done. It, it's just a, it's a funny feeling. Um, for me, the biggest thrill was when I, I got, you know, I started getting the really good tickets to the Nick games in the mid nineties. And I got to meet uh, Walt Clyde Frazier, who was, who was my, my hero uh, growing up. So that was uh, to me, you know, to meet Clyde was, uh, was the biggest deal. And, Clyde acted like he knew who I was, but I but I've seen that look before, and I've given it to people who <laughs> I don't know who the hell they are, but I I feel I'm supposed to, and it it, it didn't hurt, but uh, you know, just to meet Clyde was was a big deal back then. Red Shoe Diaries. What was making Red Shoe Diaries like? I mean, you've gone on to make these uh, iconic shows, Californication and X Files, yeah. but I feel like. I was 12 or 13 when this show came on, and it was the greatest thing ever made uh, if you were a, a horny teenager. Like, uh, when you got that call and realized that you were going to be making the Red Shoe Diaries, do you still hear from people like me who are 35, 38 years old that, like, grew up watching this thing, like, on uh, on cable? Like, I- I'm just kind of fascinated by that entire uh, process. I-, I do still hear from people. I mean, it's not it's not all the time. But occasionally somebody will, and they'll ask me, are you going to make any more Red Shoe Diaries, which I think is hysterically <laughs> funny because we haven't made them for 20 years. And, and I'm like, I'm 56, dude. I don't think you want to see me making any more Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like, uh, I, you know, at that point, I, when I got that job, I was like, wow, I can pay my rent this year. I, I'm going to have a little money in the bank this year. I don't need to get a bartending job. You know, that was, I was ecstatic to, to, to have any job at that point. And I ended up learning a lot doing that. Uh, Zalman King, who who passed away a couple of years ago, was the showrunner, producer, creator of that show. And um, he really taught me a lot. Zalman, as a very creative person, very unique and wonderful person. So, uh, it was a it was a great job for me to have, and also I don't know if you remember, but I wasn't really in the show aside from the pilot episode. I was kind of on the bookends of each episode where I'd get a letter, and there was some girl talking about some sexy situation, and then they that would be the show, and then they'd come back to me, lonely guy with his dog <laughs> in a diner somewhere reading this letter. So it was actually a very easy job for me to have. If I had told you, you said you're 56, if I had told you 25 years ago or whatever the math was when you made the the pilot for X-Files that you would still be doing it at 56, your reaction to me would have been what? Well, I would have, I would have been, I would have cried because I would have, I, I would have thought that's all I'm doing. You know, <laughs> is that all I've been doing for, that's my only job for 25 years that I think I, I'd be very tired thinking of that, but Are we, the fact that we we've been able to come back to it after so long or that there's demand for it after so long or that we're going to be able to do another 10 episodes this year i'm i'm overjoyed at that aspect of it i i like the fact that we've all been able to take a long break and and had uh, other other venues other successes other jobs other fulfilled 
so it's, it's kind of a perfect situation. Great stuff, as always. Appreciate the time. David Duchovny, the book is Bucky Effing Dent. Go check it out. From Red Shoe Diaries to Big Time Novelist, I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Hour 3, Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. Well, it appears that we have uh, now several interesting Game 5 still to come, but we had a couple of interesting Game 5s last night, and in particular, we found out that the Grizzlies cannot go on the road and handle in any way the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs went up three games to two with their third straight double-digit win at home. The Jazz may well have ended the Clippers forever with their, uh, as we know them anyway, with their Game 5 win to go up 3-2 in that series. And the Rockets eliminated the Oklahoma City Thunder and brought to an end Russell Westbrook's incredible 2016-17 season, one of the best individual efforts in the history of the NBA. After that game, well, Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly had a little bit of back and forth, and let's start with Russell. He was talking about he was first team all defense, but I I, I didn't know what the hell he was talking about because I had 42 at the time. Um, the series, you know, I don't know what he talking about. Maybe he was dreaming of some I don't know. Sorry, excuse my cuss word, but I don't know what he was talking about, but I guess he, he wanted to be first team all defense or something. Maybe he was dreaming about it. I don't know. Patrick Beverly, uh, he fired back. He's a really good player. He... Uh applies a lot of pressure just due to his athleticism and his, his creating ability. But now it shocked me because he said he looked up and said, no, what can garbage? You have, I got 40 points. I'm like, that's nice. He took 34 shots to get it. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to bash anybody, but, I mean, you know, men lie, women lie, but the numbers don't. Collectively, as a unit, we've done a great job on them. Uh, we try to make them um, shoot a lot of tough shots, and, and uh, the numbers show. Pretty ridiculous situation there uh, as well. Again, Russell Westbrook and the story was the story that got Russell Westbrook angry after game four. When he was in the game, the Thunder were better than the Rockets. When he was out of game, the Thunder were a lot worse than the Rockets. And I think, again, we're not going to know the official NBA MVP until uh, June. But I think the way you look at this is is pretty straightforward. LeBron James is the best player in the world. Okay. And uh, if you want to say that the best player in the world should be the MVP every year, I certainly can understand that argument. Uh, If if you don't want to say that, then I think the next step you should go to is say, okay, let's go look at every player on every team and think about what that team would be like if you took him off. And to me, the MVP is the player, if you're going to use that category, whose team would drop off the most if you removed him, right? Literally the most valuable player should be the guy that if you take him off of his team, then they fall apart without him. I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers would probably still be a playoff team even if they didn't have LeBron James. That is, the Eastern Conference is so weak that I think Kyrie Love, uh, Ky- Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, the Kyrie-Love combination, would probably be good enough to get the Cavs into the playoffs. If you took James Harden off of the uh, Rockets, 
I think that's probably still a what do you think, Jason Martin? Like a uh, a thirty five or forty win team without Harden? Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. I mean, they've got some real pieces though. They've got guys coming off the bench that can score. That's what like, I'm saying. Got I mean, three they're guys not an, that could start. On they're a not lot an teams. awful team. No, if you not take at all. Russell Westbrook off of the Thunder, they win twenty games. They're not a playoff team, and not only are they not a playoff team, they're one of the worst teams in all of the NBA. I mean, I think you look at what their offense looks like when Russell Westbrook leaves. The other guys would probably step their game up a little bit if they didn't have Westbrook to rely on all the time. But the difference between Westbrook in the game and Westbrook out of the game is night and day. Now, he takes a lot of bad shots. He puts himself into positions where you know there are shots that he's taking that he should never be taking. But that team is so bad that he basically has to come out gunning every single night. And to me, that's the argument for Russell Westbrook as the MVP. I think there are two categories you can follow. One is, every year the MVP should be the best player in the league. That's kind of the debate we got into in the NFL when it came to Aaron Rodgers. My position is Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL. If I believe that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL, and I do, given the fact that the quarterback position matters so much in the NFL, the only person who can be an MVP in the NFL, in my opinion, is a quarterback. All this talk about, oh, you got to have a running back. Uh, Adrian Peterson a couple of years ago won it. I thought that was absurd. The best player in the NFL every year who's the MVP is the quarterback, the best quarterback. Now, last year you could argue Matt Ryan. Decent argument for Matt Ryan. I think he might have had a better individual year. You could argue uh, you know, several different guys. But to me, Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback in the league, should be the MVP every year. If you apply that same logic to the NF, to the NBA, then it's LeBron James. LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. Every year he should be the MVP. If you apply the logic of take this guy off the team and what is the team left with, then it's Russell Westbrook. Any disagreement from you, Jason Martin? Do you think that, to me, like you could make an argument for James Harden. I don't think that James Harden, to me, has that much of a leg to stand on. He's not the best player in the NBA. That's LeBron James. He's not the most valuable player to his team. That's Russell Westbrook. To me, those two have to be the guys that you decide between for the MVP. I agree. I do think if you wanted to try and make an argument for Harden, you would make the same argument that I've mentioned a couple of times, which is, yes, he does have better talent around him, but he has also made those guys play better, even when he's on the floor and certainly when he's off the floor. When Westbrook's not on the floor, like I said, 27-9 to in the six minutes last night where Westbrook was on the bench, the Rockets outscored the Thunder. I don't think that the Thunder know how to play without Russell Westbrook because they've gotten so used to standing around and watching him do what he does. Now, that's an indictment on him to some extent. It's an indictment on the team to some extent. It's certainly an indictment uh, on Billy Donovan to some extent. But they don't have really that second score. They do have – I like Steven Adams a lot. I like Todd Gibson. I like some of their pieces. But they don't have that second guy – whether or not they go out and get Blake Griffin and make some moves or whatever it is, they've got to get somebody else for Russell Westbrook. So I think the only argument is that Harden has raised his level of game. He has definitely improved by leaps and bounds and has done so to get his team involved. He has not been a ball hog this year, whereas Russell Westbrook has. But I do think that the other side of that argument is that Russell Westbrook has to be a ball hog because he does know that even if he does get everybody involved, they're probably still going to lose because he's still going to need 40 points generally to beat any of the good teams. So that's why I switched my move from Harden to Westbrook in terms of the MVP. They're both absolutely fantastic basketball players. But as you said, you take Russ off the thunder, that team's in the lottery. 
at best because they don't they don't even have another top I don't know. I don't think they have another top 50 player in the NBA on that roster other than Westbrook. And so that's the debate. Russell Westbrook's career now belongs to the basketball ages. He has obviously had some achievements that have not been uh, produced in a very long time. I mean, the triple-double record of Oscar Robertson that he reached. Uh, The Spurs look like they're going to take care of the Grizz. They're now up 3-2. It's hard to believe that the Grizzlies are going to beat the Spurs in Game 6 and then come back and win Game 7 in San Antonio with what we have seen so far. The Clippers seem to be basically done. Uh, as a as a franchise, frankly, remember when they were going to take over the city of Los Angeles? Boy, that seems like a very long time ago now. If they give up the ghost, so to speak, to the Jazz in this series, and Utah certainly has the opportunity in Salt Lake on what Thursday, I believe, to end that series uh, forever. We'll see, or maybe it's is it all the way on Friday? Yeah, it's Friday night. Friday? It's the late game on Friday night. Why are they pushing that game all the way to Friday? So now they get three days to sit around and see what's uh, what's going to happen. So uh, that is, uh, we'll see what the uh, the outcome of that one is. But again, game six, late on Friday between the Clippers and the Jazz tonight. Tonight, if you're uh, keeping score. Uh, we've got a couple of games, and they're both relatively early in the evening. So if you start your day early with me, thank you, first of all, for starting your day early with me. Hawks-Wizards going on at 6 Eastern, and then Bulls-Celtics will tip at 8.30. I like both home teams there. I like the Wizards, and I like the Celtics. I'll give out gambling picks later. Hate to brag, but I'm on an absolute tear, 21-8 and eight overall. Tomorrow, the NFL draft begins. A little bit of news that has come out. Adam Schefter reporting that the Tennessee Titans, who have the number 5 and the number 18 pick all overall, are have multiple offers on that number 5 pick. If that is, in fact, true, and Adam Schefter tends to be pretty good, although you also have to be skeptical of anything that happens around the draft because the best way to get multiple draft, uh, multiple draft pick offers is is to say that you already have offers. It's like being the guy with the girlfriend or the girl with the boyfriend. As soon as you're taken, somebody else always wants you. So the Titans via Adam Schefter allow the news to leak out that they purportedly have multiple suitors for that number five overall pick. If so, if true, why would that be? Potentially. Potentially the idea could be that a team needs to trade up and get in front of the New York Jets so they can have their choice at the quarterback position. The, the thought is that the Jets at six might be interested in taking Trubisky, might be interested in taking a quarterback there. If you really like Mitchell Trubisky, who will be on this show, by the way, tomorrow, he will be on the show tomorrow in advance of the NFL draft. If you like Trubisky, who most people think will be the first quarterback taken off the draft, you might need to move up in front of the Jets, get to five in order to do that. If that happens... The Titans would be trading back again as they did uh, when they had the uh, number one overall pick, maybe try to reclaim a second-round draft pick, continue to stock and build with John Robinson, the GM there, Marcus Mariota recovering from the uh, broken leg. He and Derek Carr will open this 2017 NFL season playing against each other in one of the top matchups of young guns at quarterback in the AFC that will be an exciting one so the Titans will see whether or not they're kind of the linchpin move there to move back if you have not been paying attention that much to the NFL draft we have a pretty blockbuster story that continues to develop that is Gary on Conley who was going to be the overall first round pick for sure in this cornerback laden draft Gary on Conley accused of sexual assault in a Cleveland hotel room at the Westin there And it's an ugly kind of situation. It's something that is bad enough that I think I would not draft him. 
And uh, the situation is as follows. While he was there in that hotel, coming back at 3 a.m., he met a girl, according to the police report of this woman, in the elevator. He persuaded her to come back to his hotel room with he and some friends. He tried to get her to engage in a foursome. That is, one couple was there willing to have sex. He wanted her to have sex with him while the other couple was also going at it. That's kind of a mini orgy or a foursome, as it were. I don't know when a number sum turns into an orgy. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting philosophical question out there. Five or more, you think, is the, uh, is the number that has to be to have an orgy. Uh, so the foursome, you don't have a fivesome, I guess. You have a foursome or an orgy. Uh, the foursome, she says, I'm not willing to participate in the foursome. Again, this is according to the police report, which TMZ is quoted from. Uh, she says she's not willing to participate in the foursome, but in the spirit of compromise, she is willing to watch the other couple have sex in the bathroom. Uh, from there, things go uh, downhill, uh, according to her, rapidly. And uh, Gary Conley, she says, raped her there in the hotel room. Now, Conley says that he did not, in fact, rape her. And moreover, he says he didn't even have sex with her, according to reports. He's saying that he did absolutely nothing wrong. The girl went to the hospital, had a rape kit done. The police returned to the hotel room, tried to question Conley, but he was not there. Instead, questioned other people in the hotel room. So, the rape kit continues to be outstanding. They have not determined exactly what the results are of that. Conley, thus far, has refused to talk to authorities, says he wants to talk to them after the draft. Right now, he is scheduled to talk on Monday. He has left Philadelphia, where he was planning on going to be in person there in the green room tomorrow night, and he is now watching his draft stock plummet and also watching millions of dollars in potential income disappear overnight as many teams make the decisions that in certainly this environment in the NFL right now where every team is under the microscope when it comes to domestic violence domestic assault certainly sexual assault that it is probably not worth the risk to draft this guy when you're unclear exactly what the outcome will be going forward remember he could be suspended by the NFL without any kind of conviction at all he could also face serious consequences uh, from the criminal justice system, depending on exactly what is going to be the outcome of this investigation, which is not yet decided. If you want to weigh in on this case or you want me to put on my lawyer hat and answer questions for you, I am very happy to do so. 877-996-6369. First time we have opened up the phone line so far today. In fact, first time just about this week that we have opened up the phone line. Been busy so far. 877-996-6369. I I'm Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. And if your check engine light comes on, head to AutoZone. Their fix finder tool can check it on the spot for free. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Always in the zone here, I'm Clay Travis. And uh, we're talking about the NFL draft in particular what's going on with Garyon Conley as he joins Lel Collins and also Laramie Tunsil. Now this is three straight years that a projected first-round draft pick has had an off-the-field controversy issue that has plummeted them as the hours of the draft move closer and closer. That'll be a big topic, I'm sure, live on Fox Sports Radio on Thursday when you can join Jake Glazer, Joel Klatt, Chris Spielman. They're all broadcasting live from the Hard Rock Cafe in downtown Philly throughout the entire first round. Joel Klatt will be on the show with us maybe tomorrow. 
uh, as we get ready for the NFL draft. And uh, just so you know, as if you had any doubts, Jay Glazer correctly predicted every single first-round pick for the past two years. So if you want to listen along with us on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app, you can see if you can do it again this year. Uh, I got a funny story for you that I was going to hit. Did you guys see? I know you know that I'm obsessed with the Animal Thunderdome, right? That this is something that uh, that I have been focused on for a very long time, that I'm convinced that animals are at war against us. Well, they've actually signed up to be on our side now, as this is a real story. Wild boars overrun the Islamic Islamic State position and killed three ISIS militants. This is a totally real story. Three Islamic State militants setting up an ambush in a bitterly contested area of northern Iraq were killed by a herd of stampeding boars, local leaders say. Sheikh Anwar al-Assisi, or Assi, that's a tough name, a chief of the local, this is going to be tough, Ubaid tribe, and the supervisor of anti-ISIS forces, told the Times of London the militants were hiding on the edge of a field about 50 miles southwest of Kirkuk, when the Boers overwhelmed them Sunday. Five other militants were injured. He said the group was poised to attack a band of local tribesmen who had fled the nearby mountains since militants seized the town three years ago. It's likely their movement disturbed a herd of wild pigs, which inhabit the area, he said, uh, as well as the nearby cornfields. He said the militants had executed 25 people. That sucks. Attempting to flee the militants would be caliphate in the last three days before the boar attacked. But the boar attack, man. So now at least the animals are on our side. We talked about that, uh, the mountain lion going right into the San Francisco home, taking the dog out. Talked about, by the way, I saw two alligators fighting in North Carolina. Did you guys see that video? Animal Thunderdome is real. Didn't want to fight with either one of those alligators. Uh, Man who's a big, big game trophy hunter. Out in Zimbabwe, he's out trying to catch saltwater crocodiles on the big game hunt. Uh uh uh. Saltwater crocodile gave him the Dikembe Mutombo finger wag, killed him. Of course, then the saltwater crocodile got killed as a result, but depends on how you define winning the battle versus the war. Got to give credit to the saltwater crocodile there. And now the wild boars have killed three militants and injured five others, which may make them more satisfactory in their performance than the Afghan security forces. Um, back to the NFL draft. Whoop <laughs> on Twitter, James Kelly with a well placed woo pig suey, uh, indeed, and call the hogs in Arkansas. They are wiping out ISIS for us. Uh, again, we're talking about uh, the NFL draft beginning tomorrow. We're also going to dive in to the anonymous mailbag. On the flip side, here we try to do the anonymous mailbag every single Wednesday and. And we have a very important Tim Tebow watch coming for you in the final segment of the show because I'm going to be honest with you. We did not do the Tim Tebow watch on Monday and Tuesday, and there has been much uproar in the outkick streets over our failure to update you on the son of uh, God's attempt to advance to the major leagues. Tim Tebow, a member of the Columbia Fireflies. Am I right about that? That's correct. Yes, the Columbia Fireflies. And I know he had at least one game where he went three for three, which is going to drastically improve his overall batting average. We'll see whether or not that that momentum has continued for the chosen one. Uh, But again, I think the number one story of the day, honestly, is going to continue to be the fallout of this Garyon Conley story. And the question that I think a lot of you have is, if this guy's completely innocent, 
Why is he not talking to police until Monday? The rape kit is eventually going to come back, right? The rape kit is going to come back, and it's going to tell us whether or not he had sex with this woman. If he did have sex with her, and the rape kit will tell us whether or not he did, he doesn't then have the ability to turn and pivot and apply the same defense that most people do when they're accused of sexual assault. What do most men who are accused of sexual assault say? Nobody ever says, you know what? You caught me. I raped her. I haven't ever heard of that happening. I haven't heard everybody raising their hand like, yep, you got me. She didn't consent, and I raped her. I haven't ever heard of a confession in a rape case. I'm sure it's happened, but it doesn't happen very often. Everybody always says what? It was consensual. It's he said, she said then, and it's a really difficult case to prove. But Conley has not given himself that option so far. He has said he didn't even have sex with a woman. Well, if the rape kit comes back and there's no DNA from him and there's no evidence whatsoever that he had sex with her, then that's a pretty good defense. But if the rape kit comes back and he has had sex with her, it's very hard for him then to pivot and say, oh, 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 my bad. Yeah, we had sex, but it was consensual. Why would you believe him then? Why is he not talking to police till Monday? Why in the world would any NFL team, even though this guy is incredibly talented, be willing to take the risk to draft him right now? No way I'm doing it if I'm an owner. No way I'm doing it if I'm a GM. No way I'm going to do it if I'm president of a team. There's absolutely nothing to gain here. Many cases of the word, the NFL draft is about mitigating risk, trying to make sure that whoever you draft, the worst-case scenario isn't that bad. Here, the worst-case scenario is the guy gets charged with rape, and you have to defend why in the world you were willing to draft him despite the fact that these outstanding charges were there. Not worth it. Makes no sense. No way in hell I'm touching that at all. Okay, anonymous mailbag coming up now on the flip side. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. It's time for the greatest segment in the history of Sports Talk Radio this morning that's airing at 8.30 Eastern on Fox Sports Radio. And it is the Anonymous Mailbag. You've got mail, mother Anonymous Mailbag! Clay, one of my friends recently admitted he can only poop with his shirt off. He says that one day when he was little, he wiped and left part of the business on the shirt. He was made fun of the rest of the day for it. So in an effort to ensure this never happens again, this 35-year-old dude is still to this day dropping deuces with no shirt. Upon his admission, another guy age 37 admits the same thing. The rest of us in a group are just dumbfounded. I've never heard of this. In a small sampling, two out of eight guys also do it with their shirts off, no matter in public or in their own homes. One of the guys has a suit and tie job. This blows my mind. He literally takes his shirt and tie off at his office. This is so inconvenient. So, Clay, set the record straight. Do you go with your shirt on or off, and is it normal to take your shirt off to do this? I am baffled, and immediately I think of the Seinfeld episode because I think George Costanza was the take-your-shirt-off-when-you-go-to-the-bathroom kind of guy, and at one point, spoiler alert, he walks out of the bathroom with his shirt off, much to the dismay of everybody who's in the party there. I, I am blown away by this, the idea that anybody would take their shirt off. And even crazier to me is the idea that this one guy who's got on a shirt and tie would take off his shirt and tie when he goes to the bathroom at work and just sit there shirtless in like, like, a, like a pervert. I mean, I, I'm not kidding about this. I think if I found out, if I owned a company and I found out that one of the guys was pooping 
in the company bathroom, and before he was able to do it, he had to take off his shirt and his tie, I would fire him. I would fire him on the spot. I'd be like, I don't know what you're into, buddy, but I'm sure that it's not good for our company. This decision-making by you, and think about how weird this is. If you're standing in front of the mirror, if you go into your, your bathroom at work, tons of people all over the country, all 50 states, driving into work right now. If you went into your work bathroom, and you saw a guy tying a tie in front of the bathroom. This is my big question to you. Like, sometimes people get used to doing things that are really weird, and you need to take a step back and actually think about the decision-making that you're involved in. So let's pretend that we have a conversation here, okay? You are standing in front of the bathroom mirror. You are putting on a tie, and I stand beside you, and I'm, like, kind of looking at you kind of strange. I'm like, forget to put your tie on this morning, and the guy I'm talking to says, nope. And I said, and he said, nope, I just take off my shirt and tie when I go to the bathroom every day. That would be one of the weirdest conversations I've ever had in the bathroom ever. Maybe the weirdest. The only thing I've ever seen happen in the bathroom that's weirder is some of you poor bastards out there. Have you ever seen this happen? Will drop your pants completely like you're like a two-year-old when you go to the bathroom. Have you ever seen somebody do this? Like at the urinal, not even in the stall. Like, occasionally I'll walk in. It's happened to me like three or four times. Adults? Yes. Adult man dropping his pants all the way to his ankles. I saw this at Dodger Stadium. Dodger Uh, Stadium? Yes. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. A few weeks ago, the guy had to have been in his 20s, and he's standing there at the urinal with his pants like that. All the way around his ankles. Yes. Bare ass for everybody to see. I don't even I, know I, how that I, decision is made. I look, you have to go I, to jail if you do that. I looked away immediately, but the fact you're saying that you've seen it too, I can't believe more than one guy would do that. I've seen it happen like three or four times in my life, and that's the most remarkable thing I've ever seen in the bathroom. The guy tying his tie because he takes his shirt off when he goes to poop. I mean, like, you know how they have that little hole like on the stall where you can kind of look in, but you kind of typically you're not going to do that because you're not a pervert? If I looked in and saw a guy sitting there shirtless at my place of work, like with normal business pants around his ankles, I would think that like that, that he had been in the middle, like he was John McClane in the middle of Die Hard. Like he was in the middle of a terrorist attack. It makes absolutely no sense. Let's go around the horn. Is taking your shirt off while you go poop totally indefensible, Jason Martin? Absolutely. I For have a grown never, man. Yes, I have never even considered Think about doing how weird that. it would be for a woman to do it. If you're sitting around like thinking like, think about how weird it would be for a woman to take off her top. And by the way, kind of hot too, because anytime a woman takes off her top, we're not going to complain. But it still would be incredibly weird, right? Like, what if a woman took off, there's not a single person listening right now who wouldn't be like, that's so weird. If The guy who takes off his shirt and tie, that's like a woman taking off her blouse and her bra to go to the bathroom. It would be the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Danny G and Justin, any defense at all for a guy who goes shirtless for the poop? None. That's that's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard in my life. And the fact that this guy's fantasy football league features 25% of the team, two out of eight shirtless poopers, is to me extraordinarily uh, indictment of the league. I also don't like, I mean, I'm not even a fan of like the naked deuce before the shower. Like it oh, just doesn't feel right to no, me. No, no, that, that, well, you're wrong on that. That's a veteran move. If you can go to the bathroom and poop right before you get into the shower, it's a revelatory experience. You got to do it. Yeah, no, I've done you, it, but I'm just saying, like, being fully nude doing it just doesn't feel right to me. That is a veteran move because you also saved on toilet paper. 100%. <laughs>
You're cleaner. It's yeah, a great I move. I don't play that game. You. you still use toilet paper, then get in the shower. You no, 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 no. You go straight. No, no, no. You go no. straight shower. Hey, those flushable no, wipes. Vile. Those flushable yeah, no, those wipes are, are expensive. Yeah, but they're no. worth it. You go straight shower. It's like that having a disgusting. bidet. No, you go straight shower. God, that's vile, Clay. That's what it's made for. No, it's not. Because that's it's the, the cleanest, best way to get clean. Yeah, that's the cleanest you can get. That's what Europeans do every time they go. Well, yeah, yeah, but the shower. One thing we know is that Europeans are always clean. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bad argument to go to. That's what Europeans do is not the answer we want to go to. That's what Clay Travis does. I'm one of the most cleanly people I know. All right, let's go. That's uh, not really true, but it certainly uh, applies there. All right, I've solved this question. And by the way, if you're driving around right now, you're like, what is this? Every Tuesday we have the anonymous mailbag. And on the website, the anonymous mailbag is literally one of the most popular segments that exists anywhere in the world on a Tuesday. I'm not kidding about that. Like, people absolutely love the anonymous mailbag. We are bringing it to radio. Eventually, I'll start to answer any of your questions. I believe, because I have a low self-esteem about myself, I would say that I probably am the King Solomon of the Internet and now of Sports Talk Radio as well. I believe that I can solve any problem, much like King Solomon back in the day could solve any problem. And speaking of King Solomon, I believe we have a religious question now for me to decide. We do. Clay, my girlfriend, wants me to change my religion for her in order to get married, but Mormons are weird. I really like this girl, but don't want to have to wear funny underwear for the rest of my life or give up drinking. What do I do? Well, you do what most people who do any religion do. You uh, accept parts of the religion that you like, and you don't do the other parts, right? This is what everybody who does religion does. It's impossible, for instance, if you're a Christian, to follow everything that the Bible says because the Bible frequently says the exact opposite of what it says in other places. So it's impossible. You have to pick one side or the other, right? So I think what you do is you go to your girlfriend and you say, look, I am of the opinion that I love you very much. If you want me to become Mormon, I will become Mormon. But here's the deal. I'm not giving up alcohol and I'm not going to wear Mormon underpants and Probably, I'm also not going to give up caffeine. Those are three things that to me are non-negotiable. I will become, this is a term that some of you will know, certainly in the state of Utah where we are on, it is very popular, I'll become a Jack Mormon. A Jack Mormon is a guy who is Mormon, but does a lot of things that Mormons are not supposed to do. Just like many of you driving right now, do a lot of things that Christians are not supposed to do, or a lot of things that Muslims are supposed to not do, or a lot of things that Jews are not supposed to do. So the other thing is, I think that every religion seems crazy if you aren't a member of that religion. You get used to, like I was raised Southern Baptist, you get used to believing many things that are fundamentally crazy no matter what religion you're a part of because you're used to it, right? So across the board, I'll give you an example. Imagine right now that you, as part of your relationship with a buddy, buddy came up to you and he said this. He said, man, I got this girlfriend. She's great. Really like her. But she's pregnant right now. And here's the catch. We haven't had sex at all. But, but, she's telling me that the reason why she's pregnant is because God made her pregnant, not because she had sex with anybody else. This is effectively what Joseph may have had to say to his buddies back in the day. Back in the day, in Israel, Joseph rolls out to the local pub. He's like, boys, you know Mary. She's hot. You know she's pregnant. Yeah, Joseph, congratulations, Congratulations on the kid. And Joseph says, ah, problem here. We haven't had sex yet. But, but, I want you to know I'm not getting cucked. Not some other dude out there topping off Mary. No, no, no. 
she's telling me that God made her pregnant. You're not going to rook me. <laughs> You're not going to rook me. Would you say to that guy, this is the girl for you? Would you believe Joseph if he said his girl Mary was pregnant, but not to worry, even though they hadn't had sex, she hadn't slept with somebody else, it was just God who had made her pregnant. No way you're telling Joseph to stay with Mary, right? Yet that, my friends, is the foundation of the Christian faith. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage, and you're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Speaking of which, the foundation of the Christian faith, the son of God, Tim Tebow, is playing minor league baseball. What is he doing on the field? Jason Martin will have his flawed report next here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. And you know what it's time for? We missed it on Monday. We missed it on Tuesday. But Tim Tebow, the son of God, is trying to make it to the major leagues. Superman music comes into the background. And it is time for the Tim Tebow update. Jason Martin has failed time after time to provide us with the info that we need. Yet again, he gets an opportunity. Jason, you have multiple days to inform us upon. Do your best. We're going to go back to Friday. Tim Tebow had a pretty good weekend against the Lexington Legends. Three for three at the dish on Friday. He and the whole team then struggled on Saturday. He goes two for four on Sunday. In those three games, he did not get an RBI. And actually, he hasn't had an RBI since back on April the 16th against the Augusta Green Jackets. So that's eight games he's played without knocking a run in. And there's not been a whole lot of people on base for him, so it's not necessarily entirely within his control. Nobody on that team that is actually a regular player has an average higher than 257. Now, Tebow's about sixth in that at 213. But for that series, he goes five for 10 and hits two doubles. That's his first extra base hit to the season outside of the two homers that came early in the year. Also drew a walk. Now the Fireflies have started the week two games against the Asheville Tourists who are right beneath them in the, the South Atlantic what? League Southern Division. The Tourists. The Tourists, like the, like people who travel? Yes. Like that's the worst name I've ever heard. And they've had it forever because even when I lived there over 12 years ago, they were still the Tourists. The they Asheville those Tourists? Games. Yes. Game three is tonight. Awful mascot. Game three is tonight. So after he goes five, to, five for ten against Lexington, just one for six against the Asheville Tourists with a pair of strikeouts. The one hit, though... Last night, a 2-0 loss, but it was another double. So that's three doubles for Tim Tebow over the past five games. So that's not too bad. He also moved up up to sixth in the order for this series, both Monday and Tuesday. He's still splitting time between being the DH and playing left, but he's been in left for both games against Asheville. So the Fireflies have fallen from sole possession of third to a tie for third, just one game up on Asheville. If the Tourists win tonight... They'll also join the tie and have a tiebreaker on their side. So overall, he's hitting a little better. No RBIs in half a month. 16 strikeouts in 61 at-bats. So he's heading back to the dugout. One out of every 3.7-ish at-bats. He's around 120 points better average at home. Likes playing more in the day than night. He's got a 70-point higher average in day games than night games. And he's hitting about 42 points higher 
against right-handed pitchers, which may explain why they benched him back on Thursday because that was the only left-handed starter that Lexington was going to put out on the mound. That's the only thing I could find that that would explain why he didn't play in that game. All right, I'm going, to be, I'm going to give you some credit here, Jason Martin. I think you know more about Tim Tebow's baseball career than anybody who's not a professional baseball guy right now. That was good knowledge. That was good depth of uh, information there. I'm so excited. Given splits does, and everything. Yeah, when does he come? What's the closest he comes to Nashville? That's the next question for you. I would like to go see Tim Tebow play. I know he was in the Atlanta area because we talked to Barrett Salee about that. And obviously, it's not that far to Asheville, but I'm not driving four hours to go watch Tim Tebow. I'm not driving four hours to, to, to anything, for that matter. But I would like to see Tebow play baseball. Yeah, so would I. I mean, Asheville, Asheville's a drive I would make. Yeah, of course. You, know. you drive anywhere. You would drive four hours there, go get a new gas can, and turn around and drive back. I would do it in a heartbeat. You're absolutely right. That might actually, that might be the closest, actually, unless you're looking at Rome. Um, Greenville's a long drive. Augusta's obviously a long drive. You know what? Lexington. If they, you know, when they come to Lexington, that's not as far off. Uh, that's a pretty cool league. That's a, that's a lot of cool towns. I mean, if you were playing single A baseball, uh, you know, Columbia, South Carolina is not awful, obviously. Um, no. Then uh, Greenville, I think also. Lexington's awesome. Greenville is great, and Asheville's really cool. I mean, that's yep. a lot of not awful places to go to uh, to watch those games a um, couple of other little bit of news right we uh, d- while we were doing this uh, segment Raiders and Seahawks have agreed on Marshawn Lynch the trade that is breaking news Raiders and Seahawks have agreed on the trade for Marshawn Lynch compensation will be a swap of late round picks in 2018 three million dollar base pay with option of two million more if he gains a thousand yards that is, again, Marshawn Lynch joining the Oakland Raiders. Max value of the contract is $8.5 million. Let's go to Danny G, resident Raider expert. What's reasonable expectations for Marshawn Lynch uh, this year? Well, we'll see what kind of football shape he's in. Of course, a couple of really good young backs there in Oakland right now, and Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. They're both uh, smaller guys, but they're uh, great uh, you know, out of the backfield, DeAndre Washington is a great pass catcher. And Jalen Richard, you saw him last year, Clay. First game of the season, he broke that 86-yard touchdown run. So they have some good young backs. What they needed was a bruiser. And so now they have that in Marshawn Lynch. Awesome uh, news potentially for them. We'll see Derek Carr again going up against Marcus Mariota, the battle of the two quarterbacks with broken legs. who look like week the on best show, Clay. incredible quarterbacks out there in the AFC among the young uh, gunslingers. This has been an incredible show. Lots of fun as always. My thanks to Jeff Schwartz, David Duchovny, and uh, John Campbell in the first hour tomorrow. We'll talk with Mitch Trubisky. You won't want to miss that. We'll talk to Joel Klatt and we'll talk to John Morosi. It will be the first day of the NFL draft and we'll be reacting to a couple of game fives going on tonight. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for spending your window Wednesday with us on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. 